Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you are doing well on this Friday. Packed show today, so I'm going to bring Andy on in just a couple minutes here. Um, I want to give an update on the Friedkin stuff because there's been a lot happening over the past few days, and I think this is probably the best chance for me <laughs> to clarify everything um, because in an article, it's just so hard to get across all of the thoughts and all it just feels like everybody reads into words a bit more so if i can at least speak it out maybe that'll bring a bit of clarity um but first i want to thank a couple of our newest patrons over at patreon first off i'd like to thank marco who is part of roma club dc who you can find on twitter at roma club dc our next patron joe basta fantastic last name who you can find on instagram at nothing man two seven and then our newest patron Giuliano Pizzullo who you can find on Instagram at M-I-N-T-G-I-U-L-I-P so Mint Julep on Instagram thank you all three for your support it means so so much if you would like to get extra episodes of the podcast early access to the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash Roma Press so again thank you to all of our wonderful patrons it means so so much your support we greatly greatly appreciate it so Friedkin Group, Friedkin Group, Friedkin Group. It has been a busy week at the Friedkin Group and Roma. So just to give you an idea where we are, as I said in the last two podcasts, Palotta has to sell the club before the end of the year. He and his partners, Starwood Capital, they're tired of financing the club. They're ready to get out. They're ready to sell. Shut up shop from their end and get out. Now, again, there's very little time before the end of the year. So I reported yesterday that a Kuwait-based group is interested in potentially putting a bid forth in acquiring the club. Now, this group was found by advisor Franco Baldini. We don't really know a lot about them. I don't know a lot about them. Really, the only two who do know a lot about them are Baldini, Baldissoni, and I should say a third, Palotta. Uh, other than that, there is not a lot that we know about this group a lot of people were asking me well is this a private group um we we frankly don't know we know that this group exists we know very little about them admittedly but i can't tell you they do exist because roma uh, admitted yesterday <laughs> that they do exist uh, for, at least to me for the very first time they admitted they exist so they they are an option albeit an extremely distant one at the moment this is a one horse race and the only horse is dan friedkin now as I'm recording this, uh, the Friedkin Group is about to meet internally Dan Friedkin, who is currently um, in California. He is set to meet with his legal advisors, who are Houston-based, and they're going to figure out the next steps. Now, where we stand is the Friedkin Group offered 495 million euros. Uh, I was told it's not 500, but it's not the 490 that all the other newspapers have been reporting. 490 million euros for the club. Now, this is an informal offer, and our good friend Filippo Biafora wrote about this today. Uh, Palotta's legal team, they told Friedkin's legal team to make the offer a hard offer, put it in black and white in writing, and once they do that, we'll see what happens. I don't know where this is heading, but something is going to happen this month one way or the other. We are going to find out definitively whether Friedkin is arriving, whether Palata magically comes up with a minority shareholder at the club, something is going to happen. So um, that's where we stand right now. We're waiting. 
if you want my percentage, I hate doing the percentage thing because the the thing about this and just football in general that people don't seem to really grasp all that much is this thing changes. This stuff changes. It's so fluid. It changes by the minute. It changes by the second. Um, uh, that's the thing with transfer with, with transfer dealings where you have if you have somebody say something like, oh, it's a done deal before everybody else knows well before it's done. If you have somebody who's saying that, they're just going out on a limb because they want to look right. Um, now, if they look wrong, I'm sure we can find plenty of accounts on Twitter who are guilty of this. Um, they never acknowledge when they're wrong. But here's the thing. Transfers, they change by the day. For those who say, oh, how could Roma have been in the favorite yesterday for a player and today another club emerged and they're the favorite? Because this stuff changes by the day. Offers change. Uh, players' wills change. Uh, commissions change. Uh, this stuff can literally change by the minute. So don't believe someone who tells you that, oh, it, you know, um, once there's a, a favor for a player, they remain the favorite. This stuff doesn't change. It's done. Blah, 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 blah. They don't know how this works. They have no clue how it works if you have someone telling you that. So I can find a bunch of fanboy pages on Facebook. I can find a, find a bunch of uh, accounts on Twitter who are guilty of this. It's football. It's the market. Whether we're talking about a club selling or being sold, whether we're talking about a player trying to move to another team in a transfer, the stuff changes. It's very fluid. It can change by the day. So please keep that in mind. So let me bring Andy on now. He and I discuss uh, the recent victory over Torino, and then we get into a bit of this stuff going on with the ownership situation. So let me bring him on now. Okay, I am joined now by Andy. All right, Andy, so a lot going on. Friedkin, uh, Kuwait group, Sevilla catching the COVID. <sighs> Where do we start? Real quick, with this whole COVID thing okay. and Sevilla, it kind of felt like, not that we were joking about <laughs> Benega, because turns out it wasn't even Benega who caught COVID, but there's no clarity as to what is going to happen. Every I saw everybody joking. If you don't know what it means in Italian, you you... You won't get the joke, but we were all joking about the little table for the last 48 hours. Yes. I, I don't know how you play this game. I, I, I really don't. And also, it's funny because, you know, since uh, Sevilla um, made the statement, I haven't read anything official from anybody else. Um, and I thought the rules were pretty, pretty clear that the whole team goes into quarantine for two weeks if a member of the team... Uh, tests positive, but we haven't heard about that either. Um, and the game is only a week away from now. Yeah, uh, again, the the lack of clarity on this entire thing is just mind-boggling. Now, it's UEFA, so should we be surprised? Not exactly. <laughs> this, is a, this is an organization that from top to bottom is full of incompetence. But I, again, I, I have yet to see how this can be played properly. And... For this whole time, we've been hearing, okay, if you've been around somebody who's had COVID, you have to quarantine yourself for at least two weeks. Now, they are doing these tests in fairness, but I, I don't know. I am not well-read. Let me let me back up. I am not well-read enough on this whole thing. Can you test negative and then a few days later it pops up? I, I don't know, but I just refuse to believe that the safe thing to do when you have a player... Now, Sevilla have been training this whole time, and this guy has been around his teammates. So I, I guess I don't understand 
how you can have such a lack of clarity when this game right. is literally one week away. Right. Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. But it, it's, it's, funny, uh, it, it, it's funny when you talk about it, when it's hypothetical, but when it actually happens, like right now, um, we don't know who the player is, I believe. Uh, but, but, you know, again, it's the response from UEFA, um, especially in a situation like this of a pandemic, um, you're supposed to play in Germany on so-called neutral ground, which I still believe is not neutral, but whatever. Um, and, you know, with with a team that a week from the game has, has, has had a player testing positive, maybe he's not going to be the only one. Um, and, and, yeah, and there is an official game waiting on the line. Uh, there is a lot at stake. And there is no response, um, and nobody knows anything. Like there is, you know, there are no rumors. No, I haven't seen any headlines about this in any new Italian newspaper. Um, that's also the weird part. So this whole thing is, you know, it's funny when it's hypothetical, but right now we we would like some answers. Yeah, this whole thing has been ridiculous. It's and again, I just don't know. This is the middle of a pandemic, and it's being treated so cavalier or I don't think I use that word. It's being treated so cavalier. Uh, it, it, this whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. All right, let's go to the, the match against Torino. Pretty straightforward, in my opinion. I thought, again, the only negative, Paulo Lopez. At first, it was sort of like, eh, I guess he could do better. Maybe Roma could improve on the position, but not necessarily an area of need, but I'm slowly starting to change that opinion because that was not good from him again. And I don't know, man, it, it, if you look at his save percentage, you get very depressed very quick. And I just feel like for what Roma paid for him. And again, it's not, it's not the player's fault that they paid nearly 30 million euros for him. But again, for a club like Roma, that's no small fee, okay? We're, we're talking about a, a club like Roma. That's a very hefty sum. I just feel like they should be getting much better performances from the goalkeeping position, don't you? Well, Paul Lopez was doing, I think, great in the first half of the year. And um, as soon as January was over, um, he's had injuries. He's, uh, he's had, you know, problems in, in positioning. Um, he's made some ridiculous mistakes uh, i i find the mistake that he made in that goal uh, pathetic it's you know it's the fact that he didn't manage even to the the, the shot was was really going straight at him and somehow he managed to let it slip past him i understand it was maybe it was a, a really powerful shot but at least he deviated totally out, outside of of the goal um Again, he's you know he's working with if you if you look at what Carlos Perez and Kolarov do in that situation. I don't want to go away from Paul Lopez's mistake, but there is some really questionable defending in this team sometimes. The fact very true, like you you just watch that run from that Torino player who, whose name I don't even know because apparently that was his first goal in Serie A and um, that was a great goal, but. He managed to just spin by Carlos Perez and Kolarov and make them look 
ridiculous and perhaps even more ridiculous than Paul Lopez. But I get what you're saying. Paul Lopez gives you the vibe right now that he's not likely to stop many shots. Like it's not a coincidence that it, you know almost every game a, a shot goes in. I mean, actually, that's more of the rule than the exception. Um, the exception is when we manage to keep a clean sheet. And in fact, as you said, Can last we discuss time, that. Yeah. Holy shit. We're going to end. Yeah, if, I don't I, I don't see how if, if I don't see how Juve are going to, you know, are gonna, not going to score against us. Even a Juve that has already won the Scudetto. Um, I don't see us keeping another clean sheet. That's the problem is that we go into every game with the mindset of, OK, we have we'll have to overcome a one goal deficit. That's the mindset that it seems like we, we've been going into every game with. If my calculations are correct, I believe they have had three clean sheets in the league between present time and November. I don't know how that is possible because, yes, obviously with the pandemic, that statistic seems a lot more ridiculous than what it actually is. But... How does that work? I, I get annoyed because I, I would almost prefer they win these 1-0 to zero because then they can at least show the character that they're able to keep a clean sheet. Now, I'm not going to complain too much because the Roma won, and I, I thought they were clearly the better side for, I don't know, maybe 60 of the 90 minutes. But this whole inability to keep a clean sheet thing, is it just coincidental, or do you think this is some sort of flaw of character? Because... I don't know, man. It just, I don't know. They turn off at these moments, and it's absolutely puzzling as to why they do it. Well, you know, this this team has a problem defending set pieces. That's a given. That's, I, you know, it's, and it's been a whole year of, of these mistakes. Even though you have capable defenders, you have, you have height. I mean, this team, when they go and defend a corner, they have Jekko, they have Smalling, they have Mancini. Uh, right there. Um, sometimes they have Fazio, but but their positioning is awful. Kolarov is slow, um, and it seems like they they they. If you watch their reactions when a team when an opposing team scores, it's like they take it in, like it's you know, like it's it's just the usual. Like it's they don't even get angry anymore at this because it, it seems like it, it's been a given for for the past few months. Um, that yes, okay, Lyanko scores. We'll have to score and and score again to 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 beat them. Um, eventually, then you can see the second goal. So now you really have to tighten things up. But maybe you'll manage to squeeze by with a win. And I think that's you know that's it's been our downfall, but it's also been our uh, you know the the way we've been winning these these recent games it's it's not been pretty um there are some instances where i i look at this team and i'm like really you concede that goal like again i can't i you know if you watch that goal the second torino goal the way this whole team gets just out of balance because they're relying on uh, an old ass caller of to chasing a kid and he gets embarrassed, and Perez, who's supposed to help Kolarov, also gets embarrassed. He gets uh, just spun around like a little kid. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's this this team has a severe lack of concentration at times. Uh, although I do like how this team gets back into a game, I like the reaction from them. 
I liked how yes. everybody celebrated that smalling goal. It, 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 that Those are moments that make you think, okay, they do care. But then you watch them concede yet another goal and you're like okay i'm not sure you know what what is going on what what this team what is this team doing how do they i i really want to know or have a tape of them training set pieces defending set pieces because this team when it comes to <laughs> yeah, those they're terrible things, at it it's there is no position every man is for himself um it, it's that's the mind-boggling part and and that's another thing that you have to adjust just have to if you want to make progress in the Europa League. We have more or less a week for Roma to figure out his future at the moment. There's right. no agreement. So after the match this weekend, he essentially is no longer a member of the club. Has this short period of uh, the switch to a three-man defense changed your mind on him at all? Or do you still think they have to sign him at all costs? Well, listen, I, I, I was... Hmm. I, I to tell you the truth, I, I I haven't seen much difference. I think the that 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 mistake uh, it, it, with where you allowed uh, Berenguer um, to 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 score and how the miscommunication between um, between uh, Smalling and Mancini, it's something that both of them were were again they they seemed like they, it was their first game out um so i probably that's the one episode that i will point to when i'm saying okay maybe he doesn't fit in this formation but it, that's been a, something that's been happening for for all year round um i would i would still consider signing on uh, smalling i mean if you know, if if you don't go over that twenty million twenty million uh, fee, um, then I would I would sign him. I I know he wants to. I want. I know he wants to stay. I know he's been trying to 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 stay because he he probably figures he's got a future here. Um, and I also believe he has. But at the same time, if 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 Roma take too long and the, the the price you know starts to go up, and it's it's been what like six or seven months of constantly hearing, oh, Manchester United are asking for twenty, Roma are offering thirteen, Manchester United are asking twenty, Roma are offering fifteen, and yeah, and so you know when it, we are we're looking now at playing Europa League with Mancini, Ibanez, and Kolarov. You know, to be honest, that's. That's not that bad. <laughs> I thought we'd be we we could do worse. Um, I think that there are alternatives out there. Um, I also think that Roma are capable of signing those alternatives. I don't know if Vertonghen is something that we can really dream of. Um, but by signing Smalling and or the likes of Mkhitaryan, Roma sent a clear message that this is a club that is willing to give a chance to um, to these other to these players that don't belong to a particular project, like they're uh, are about to do with Pedro. Uh, Pedro out out of Chelsea, um, he gave us all there, uh, but now is you know clearly declining, not not up to the speed of uh, Premier League, and Roma are welcoming him. So it's. Um, I don't know, man. It's this is it's a tricky question because we've seen Smalling give fantastic performances and not and then being limited by his um, again limited ability on the ball. 
Um, and his partnership with Mancini sometimes has been brilliant and sometimes there has been way too much miscommunication. And also this fact that Roma haven't figured out really a formation that gives them a chance to win every game, okay, maybe besides the last few weeks, um, that also has been problematic. I think a player like Smalling, despite his experience, needs consistency because, again, of his uh, uh, limitations when it comes to playing on the ball. Yeah, again, I, I think most of this has to do with the price, whether you feel Roma should keep him or not. I don't know. Vertonghen, nah, I don't know. I would rather just keep Smalling, but again, this is a very weird weird moment because it all sort of combines into the situation of the ownership group, which I just want this to be over with. That's where I am with this whole thing. I want it to be over with, and I think it will be over with within the next couple of weeks. We're going to find out one way or the other. Do you have a preference at this point, whether it's freaking or I, I guess it's hard to say because we really don't know anything about this Kuwait group. Um, the only ones who do Baldini, Baldissoni and Palotta, everybody else, they don't know anything about them. Um, other than the fact that they're analyzing the financial data of Roma. I'm sure you just want Palotta gone at this point, right? Well, the 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 answer is, is quite simple, and it is yes, because we've been talking about this, that, you know, his time is up. Um, I, I, I believe he knows it. Um, everybody else knows it at this point. And, you know, from, from the reports and what you've been uh, telling us, John, it, it's it's pretty clear that, Friedkin was always very serious about Romadi. I mean, we haven't heard anything, um, you know, outright from him or his son about this deal taking place. That that shows you that it, it, it's serious. It's in the works. It's been in the works. We've been hearing that, that you know, there is there is a date limit. There is some. There is a date or a deadline that Roma and Friedkin are looking at. So, it's at this point. You're not really going to go for the Kuwaiti uh, soap uh, <laughs> seller, right? I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, I think, is some of this a bluff by Palata to get Dan to raise uh, his bid a bit more? Uh, maybe, but the the problem with doing that, and I, I guess I could be willing to listen to that, because anytime I mention something about Friedkin or another group, everybody's like, oh, well, it's just a play by Palata. To, to do something one way or the other. And I'm like, well, the problem with that is Friedkin at this moment, they have no problem just getting up and walking away. So if Palata were to do that, not only yep. would it be a massive risk, um, I think it would be incredibly stupid. Now, do I think there is a bit of a, uh, a bit of a repartee, I guess you would say, between the two? Yeah, I think there is a bit of a dance going on. I do think Palata wants Dan to raise his figure, but... Again, he's not going to piss off the only concrete offer that he has to date. Uh, he's not going to piss him off uh, to the point where he's going to... I would hope that he doesn't want to piss him off to the point where he, will, he would potentially walk away. So I don't think Palata is, is that stupid. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see something in here within the next couple of weeks. Again, ma the, the time and the math, it, it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work for Palata at the moment. You can't bring in a new group... They take two to three months to do due diligence. Then it takes them another month or two to come to a, an agreement on an offer. Then it takes another month or two for them to close 
the agreement. It, there's just not enough time left. And we've said it again and again and again. Pelota has made it clear. He does not want to st- keep funding the club. He wants to get out. He wants to get out before the new year. Uh, $40 million remains to be paid of the capital increase. So that is even more of a reason for him to get this thing wrapped up immediately. $40 million has to be paid by the majority shareholder before the 31st of December. So if Pelota can agree to a deal now and get out, uh, the new owner will be the one who takes care of that. So it's more of a motivation for him to get out. He's, I do think he he will eventually leave. Uh, it's just a matter of will it be within the next couple of weeks or not. Now, again, for everything to work out, for the math uh, to be a friend of Palotta in this regard, he has to find an agreement this month. Otherwise, um, it, it just won't work. Because I was told that Friedkin requires at least 45 to 60 days to close the deal which if you were to bring in a new group, it would not be that quickly. Right. And it wouldn't close that quickly at all. So again, um, time is on Friedkin's side. Time is not on Palota's side. So I think we'll see something happen here. I I had a a quick question, John, because this, it's been on my mind since I, I saw this news about um, the Sanctis potentially, you know, the Sanctis who is now Mm. acting as our, I believe, interim uh, sporting director, um, who he's being tempted by an offer by, I believe, Ascoli or some a club like that. <laughs> but I, I'm not saying that's oh. you know I I'm not saying I consider that true. But this is it's something that we haven't talked about yet, and I think it's very interesting. Who is gonna you know in in these times of pandemic and where the deadlines are all off and players are being signed right now? Uh, Roma, you know, we know that. Pedro is about to enter the club, um, but you know nothing has been signed, nothing of it. So I'm just curious, who do Roma appoint as a, a, an official executive who takes care of the transfer market in case you know the Sanctis perhaps changes his mind, thinks, okay, I'm I don't want to be anybody's puppet, or I want to have a bigger role somewhere else. Yeah, I I really don't know because right. <laughs> The fact of the matter is they're going to be a puppet as long as Palotta is here. Here's the thing. I, I think you and I have talked about this whole Baldini thing a number of times, so I don't want to get into it again. But I'll just summarize it as briefly and clearly as possible. Baldini does not have an official role within the club. What he does do is, some of you may not know this, but Roma, they have... They have an office in the UK, in London, actually like 10 to 15 minutes from Stamford Bridge. And it's not far from Baldini's flat in London. So I think they have two or three people work out of that office. It's not a large operation, but it was Baldini who was one of the, not one of the reasons, but one of the factors as to why they even opened that branch to begin with. Um, Not a very common thing. So they have been accommodating to this guy to a degree that you would not even believe. Now, again, he doesn't have an official role, but the influence he he, he wields yep. is unbelievable. And if you want to know why he doesn't have an official role, it's very, very simple. He wants to have as much influence as possible without having or having to take any of the blame. And who wouldn't want that? That's like the dream job for just about anybody, right? You, yeah. you don't want to Especially if with... you don't live in Rome. Especially if you don't live in Rome. Because it's it's hard to have an official uh, title at Roma and, you know, go 
from London to Johannesburg or wherever he goes uh, every two weeks. Yeah, so that that's the other thing. So a lot of people also don't know this. Baldini, he goes to Johannesburg like every <laughs> every other weekend. And obviously, if you have an official role at Roma, particularly during a transfer market period, you're just not going to be able to do that. So Baldini basically wants to he's basically playing like football manager, but kind of in real life, just to a much higher degree. So, you know, he, he's playing video games, traveling. <laughs> um, and then on the weekends, he's staying up till midnight, holding talks for players and trying to find Kuwait. Yeah, he reminds me to... he reminds me of uh, of uh, Don Corleone sending Tom Hagen to do his dirty laundry uh, yes when he sends him to california <laughs> yeah it's, i, lo- it's I always love that. that part i always love that part because he sends tom hagen to to california tom hagen flies to california and then the same day he comes back i love that I, I love that idea of traveling like that he's never he never asks for a second favor after being refused the first um <laughs> So, yeah, that's what Baldini does. Uh, if De Sanctis does leave, I, I really don't know what they do. Maybe they just give it to Fienga, and Fienga becomes now CEO, yep. sporting director. <laughs> he, maybe he, he, he does it all because um, at this very moment, it is literally, literally, literally Baldini and Fienga doing every right. single thing. De Sanctis is doing more of the internal stuff, dealing with the players. Um, but, no, De Sanctis has not held a single... Um, transfer market negotiation. So we can we can say that Pedro Pedro is all Baldini. Obviously. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's all Baldini. Yeah, of course, yeah, without question, yeah. But anything like even remotely related to the Premier League, you can almost guarantee that it's got Baldini's fingerprints on it. Smalling was Baldini. Um, yeah, Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan is Baldini. Uh, Baldini is the one who's been trying to offer Genghis Under to to half the Premier League. Anybody who will listen to him. Um, Baldini is a guy who is basically heading up Roma's transfer market. And some people may like that. Others may not. Uh, for me, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would prefer if he had an official role because despite... Exactly. Yep. If you I remember... Agree. Do you remember the letter that Palotta wrote last summer where he addressed this? He said, uh, oh, yes. yes. he said in the letter, I see a lot of people blaming Franco for some of the... Uh, some dear of the, friend. Yeah, my dear friend Franco for yeah. some of the mistakes that were made. <laughs> But I assure you, uh, Franco is only an advisor. He he doesn't have much influence here. I can tell you that is unequivocally one million percent a lie. Uh, Baldini has immense influence <laughs> at the club. Other than Fienga, I think you'd be hard pressed to, si- to to find somebody at the club uh, who has the ear of James Palotta more than Baldini. But, but that's yeah. But that's you know that's I I I fully agree with you that that is it's not exactly the problem because we find ourselves in a position where yes we can have smalling or the likes of I mean Mkhitaryan was signed last minute and everybody was ecstatic um Pedro another quality player so I think that's not the, the big issue the big issue is again as you just said there is no official title and that's always going to be problematic when you have Whatever, whether it is it is a football club or a clothing brand or whatever, you have to. If somebody has that much power, he needs to have an official title and be recognized as such. One hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I think that's the easiest way to put it. I, I I would love to hear from Baldini because again, Palotta can't get away with saying that Franco doesn't have a lot of influence when. Clearly, his fingerprints are all over a number of operations that Roma have done. So, um, yeah, 
he's the one who's handling everything right now from a sporting perspective. Um, this match against Juve, have you ever cared less about a match between Roma and Juve before in your entire life? <laughs> this is going to be such a beautiful shithousery. Um, just wonderful. I, I can't wait to see, you know, the likes of uh, Calafiori facing uh, Bernardeschi. <laughs> and, um, well, maybe he'll get Bruno a goal. Bruno Perez going at Ramsey. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be fun because finally we have nothing at stake. You know, we've played all we could. Um, we got fifth place. Uh, Milanisti are all up in Roma's mansions. Um, again, very, very sad, uh, quoting uh, uh, Donald Trump. But that's, you know, that's how it goes. Um, finally, we have at least a game where we don't, we don't really have to come here and be all depressed about or take it so seriously. Um, but... It is, you know, a chance to rest some players, um, you know, that are going to play a, a pivotal role in the match against Sevilla. And do we really want to talk about um, Vertu not being there? That's, you know, Oof. that's gonna yeah, that's going to be difficult. quite a lot. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, very difficult. We'll preview the match against Sevilla after the match against Juve. Um, yeah, really the only thing I'm looking forward to is trolling a bit. Uh, maybe tweeting out that Bruno Perez has more league goals than both Douglas Costa and Bernardeschi. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't really, yeah, I don't think I've ever cared less about a match against Juve. So, um, yeah, now we're just at the point where we're waiting for this match against Sevilla. So, we will preview that after the weekend. Uh, we probably won't dive too much into the match against Juve one way or the other, um, barring, I don't know, the the second coming of Christ on the pitch. I don't think there will really... Re remember remember that su those summer friendlies in the U.S. where we faced Juve? I, th I believe it was the first friendly with... Uh, one of the first friendlies with Eusebio Di Francesco. And the whole game went to the penalties and we lost because Pinzoglio... Uh, did a master class in, in saving penalties. I believe that... And the game started really like exactly like this. It was a shithousery. Everybody was trolling. And then everybody started taking it way too seriously. <laughs> um, the only... Uh, see, I admittedly, those summer friendlies, I, <laughs> I watched them extremely <laughs> casually with uh, not caring very much. <laughs> the only one I remember is the legend Seiru Dumbia <laughs> trying... Uh, oh, right. Trying yep. to do the, <laughs> the, the chip and against Joe Hart. And it was without question one of the worst ones of all time that I think you'll ever see. Um, that poor guy. Wow. Always in our hearts. Yeah, always in our hearts indeed. Very little to say about him. That that chip or attempted chips, I, I, I should say, pretty much summarizes his entire tenure at Roma. And I guess I could say his entire footballing <laughs> career because he has fallen off a cliff. Uh, ever since he left uh, Seska Moscow. So poor guy, always in our hearts. So we'll be back after the weekend as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. It means so, so much. We'll be back. So uh, enjoy the match against Juve. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And until next time, ciao. Ciao.